bless you. Just in case there is an emergency this morning, this back door goes down. Uh, that set of steps goes right down to the hallway, and there are some restroom facilities down there, nursery care and that kind of thing. If you need that uh, during the service, for all of our young people, we ask if you can, if you can just stay, just sit tight just for a few minutes. I'm not going to preach long this morning, uh, and we definitely don't want to distract anybody today. Our junior church is going to be watching by way of closed-circuit television today. They, uh, of course, having their service. They have another crowd out back, and uh, but they're they're watching our service today by way of closed circuit. So you pray for the junior church, and we welcome the junior church uh, watching the service today. Psalm chapter nine in your Bibles. We will, we will have no PM service tonight, and so we hope you have a great afternoon. You're able to spend some good time with your family today. Psalm chapter nine in your Bible. Let me give you one last opportunity to just stretch your legs, and and we'll stand out of respect for the reading of God's word. If you're able to stand, if you're not able to stand, that's fine. But if you're able to stand, if you'll stand this morning, out of respect for God's word, uh, Psalm chapter nine in our Bible. Psalm chapter nine. And we're going to start in verse number 9, Psalm chapter 9 and verse number 9. The Bible says, The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Sing praises to the Lord which dwelleth in Zion. Declare among the people his doings. When he maketh inquisition for blood, he remembereth them. He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. Consider my trouble, which I suffer of them that hate me. Thou that liftest me up from the gates of death, that I may show forth all thy praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion, I will rejoice in thy salvation. The heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made. In the net which they hid is their own foot taken. The Lord is known by the judgment which, which he executeth. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. And then there's an odd word there. It's the word hegeon. And then another little word, that's selah. And you understand that the book of Psalms was, was the Hebrew songbook. And so those two odd words right there really are what we would call musical notes. And hegeon means this. It means meditate. It means uh, stop. And meditate. And then the word selah is the word is, is the idea of a pause or a rest. And so uh, what the psalmist is saying here is this: you know what? Let's stop just a moment. And let's meditate on what we just read. Uh, the Bible says the Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. But then there's that pause and that meditation, and maybe the psalmist is saying, I want you to really meditate on what I'm getting ready to say. For in verse number 17, the Bible says, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. Well, that is something we need to think about, isn't it? For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the heathen be judged in thy sight. And I want to draw your attention to verse number 20 today. And the psalmist said, Put them in fear, O Lord that the nations may know themselves to be but men. And then there's that rest again, selah. It means to, to stop and to think about what we just said. Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. And with that read this morning, I'm going to preach just a few minutes. I'll not preach long today. 
But I want to preach just a few minutes on the subject, some things man cannot do. Some things that man cannot do. Thank you for standing. You may be seated, and we're going to go to the Lord in a word of prayer, and we'll preach just for a few minutes this morning, and I hope it'll be a, I hope it'll be a help and a blessing to somebody today. Father, we love you, and thank you for the, the great music. Thank you for the great singing and the song service that we've enjoyed today. Thank you for the choir, and Lord, thank you for the beautiful special that Miss Mandy sang today, and uh, Lord, I'm glad that there's not anything that you can't handle And Lord, now as we take just a few moments and close this service, and God, we just gather around the Word, and God, we just preach the Word just for a few moments. Father, I pray that you will accomplish your will. Lord, this is that place where the arm of flesh will fail us every time. And God, if we are dependent upon talent, or if we're dependent upon personality, or if we're dependent upon charisma, or 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 whatever, if we're dependent upon study, Lord, uh, Lord, this can this could fail miserably. And so, God, we need your help right now. We need the Spirit of God just to to work and to feel and to flow. And and Lord, I pray that uh, that you'll speak to every heart today, and especially that one that is lost and undone without Christ. God, today, I pray that you'll really, really minister to them in a very special, special way. And I pray that their heart would be spoken to today. And I pray that Jesus will be lifted up and magnified in a great, great way. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. You know, the Bible says there in Psalm chapter 9 and verse number 20, uh, put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. And how many know that sometimes we get to thinking of ourselves a little higher than we should? When I'm talking, I'm talking about humans. I'm talking about mankind. Uh, But you know, church, at best, at very best, and I admit that there are some very intelligent people in our world, but at very best, we are mortal. We're mortal. Uh, We're not immortal. We're not like God. We are mortal. At very best, you know what? You may uh, be here this morning, and you may have graduated from high school, and then you may have went on to get your, uh, you may have went on to get your bachelor's degree, and and then you may have went a little further and got your master's, or maybe even your doctorate, and uh, you may have degrees after your name uh, this morning, but the truth of the matter is, we're Regardless of where you are, or who you are, we're all flesh and blood. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you're a pastor or deacon or or church member or Sunday school teacher or or office worker or factory worker. We are all just flesh and blood. Our existence is limited. In fact, the Bible says in Psalm chapter ninety and verse number ten, the days of our years are three score years and ten. And if it be by reason of strength, they be four score years. Yet is their strength labor and sorrow uh, for. It is soon cut off, and we will, uh, and we fly away. And so we're limited. That's what the Bible's talking about. We're limited. We're man. We're human. Uh, we're not. We're not powerful. We're not deity uh, like God. But I will give this to you that there are times. I grant it that there are times when man is pretty smart at times. I mean, man. Uh, and, uh, and and I'm glad that God gives us that knowledge. And by the way, any knowledge we have comes from God. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. But I'll admit this morning that, uh, uh, you know what, as, as uh, finite as we are, as, uh, as mortal as we are, uh, you know what, there are times when man is really, really smart. And, uh, and I am amazed sometimes at how far man has come in just 100 years. 
I've got just a few things that I'll, I'll, I'll put up on the screen for you today if I could. And uh, it, was, it was 1903 in a place called Kitty Hawk, Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. And uh, uh, the two brothers got together. Uh, Orville and, and Wilbur Wright got together and, and they began to work on the first uh, airplane. I love this story. It's a great story. And uh, you'll notice if you see something coming up, coming out the front of the plane there, uh, what that is, is that's their runway, just in case you're wondering. It was 60 feet of two by fours put end to end. And, uh, and that was the runway for the very, uh, the very first plane. Uh, they were successful in flying the very first human being, and the entire flight lasted three and a half seconds and then crashed into the sand and damaged the, the plane, and they had, to, they had to redo some things. The second flight lasted a whole whopping 12, 12 seconds, and it flew 120 feet. And just an interesting story. In fact, I, I never knew this, but, but after they had made several flights with this plane, later that day, a gust of wind came, and it caught the plane, and it turned it upside down, and so damaged it that that plane never flew again. And uh, now, I, I just said that, say this, that was 1903. Boy, haven't we come a long ways, baby. I mean, a long ways. Now, you can go down to Charlotte Douglas International Airport, and you can walk on an Airbus A380 along with 852 other passengers, and you can travel to a destination going almost 700 miles per hour. 853 people on one plane. How in the world uh, can such a thing be possible. And so I grant it that man at times, man is very, very smart. Sometimes he has a lot of knowledge. It was a fellow by the name of Carl Benz, Carl Benz. And Carl Benz made the first automobile uh, with a stationary gasoline engine. It was a one-cylinder, two-stroke unit which ran for the first time on New Year's Eve, 1879. As you can see, it was a two-seater. <laughs> and so if you had a lot of kids, I guess they just lost out. Amen. And, uh, and it was a two-seater. And get this, all you car buffs out there uh, this morning, this is really going to wow you. The engine output was 0 0.75 horsepower. Uh, and so not quite what a horse could give, but, uh, but, but close, but close. Now, I just said that say this, you know what, boy, we've come a long, long ways in a little bit of time. Now, in 2017, we have automobiles that are capable of driving themselves without human interaction. I don't know if you saw the video the other day. They videoed a guy in Los Angeles, man, where our kids are. And, uh, and the guy was literally going down the interstate. He was completely passed out. I mean, asleep. He was asleep, had his head laid over on the, uh, on the side of the car there, and the car was driving itself down the interstate. Uh, listen, I wouldn't even trust myself driving down those interstates. I definitely don't want to trust a car to drive by itself, but, that, but, but that's where we are. We have cars that now are self-driven, self-braking, self-parking, air-conditioned seats, heated seats, heated steering wheels, fully automated, Bluetooth-compatible, Wi-Fi uh, in our cars, and now the new Dodge Charger SRT comes equipped with a 
a supercharged engine boasting 707 horsepower under its hood. And now what are you saying, preacher? I'm just trying to make a point. And the point is that at times man is really smart. I mean, there are things that man, uh, God has enabled man to figure out. And, and boy, I want to tell you what, uh, look at that new charger. It's bad to the bone. I'm telling you, man, it really is. And we've come a long, long ways. I know that Carl's, Carl Benz was a great guy, uh, probably a, a genius, but we've come a long, long ways in a little bit of time. Uh, you'll like this next picture. Uh, in the 1700s, people moved around by way of stagecoach. And that's how, listen, that's how you traveled right there. There was no Greyhound. There was no American Airlines. Uh, and so people traveled by way of stagecoach. Now, if the roads were in good shape, and that road doesn't look like it's in very good shape right there, but if the roads were in good shape, then you could travel 10 miles an hour, all right? And by the way, the stagecoach was the best way and the fastest way uh, to travel. You understand that now, in 2017, we have trains that travel 357 miles an hour all while people relax in a comfortable dining car and sip on coffee or tea 357 miles an hour. Now, again, what's your point? My point is that there are times when man is capable of a lot of things. There's a lot of things that man can do. Man is smart at times. Uh, it was uh, uh, the, the pilgrims, when the pilgrims left Plymouth, England on September 16th, they arrived at Cape Cod on November the 21st. Now, understand something. That they stayed on this, they stayed on this ship, which doesn't look very big to me, but they stayed on this ship for 36 days. 36 days. That was the best they could do. 3,100 mile track, and they stayed on that ship for 36 long days. Some of them didn't make it. Some of them didn't survive. I mean, the, the storms and the disease and all those kind of things. 36 days it took them to leave from one point and get to the next. Now, in America, we have a plane called the X-15 that can travel at almost Mach 7. That is over 5,100 miles per hour more than six times the speed of sound. In other words, brother, that plane that we have now could make that trip twice in about an hour. Uh, that's, that's how much technology that we have in this day and time. Now, uh, again, my point is this, that man at times is pretty smart. I mean, there's times when man is intelligent. There are times when, when man is pretty knowledgeable and, and, and there are amazing things that man is able to do. Uh, I, how about this? I, I thought about this. Uh, one of the very first computers known to man was completed in 1946. Very first computer. Listen to this. It took up 1,800 square feet, which is equivalent to six hotel rooms. One computer. Six hotel rooms. It weighed 50 tons, 50 tons, the very first computer that was ever made. And now only 71, only 71 years later, just released this week, the new iPhone 10 with a capacity of 256 gigabytes, an A11 Bionic chip with 64-bit architecture neural engine, embedded M11 motion coprocessor. You say, what does that mean? I have no idea. It has several built-in cameras, several built-in cameras, one of those with a 12-megapixel wide-angle telephoto lens with 1080, uh, 1080p HD video recording capability and true-depth camera for facial recognition. You don't even have to touch it. You just look at it, and it recognizes your face and opens up and fits in your pocket. 
By the way, I'm not preaching on this today, but I could. These things that I just told you are also a sign of the times. Because the Lord said, in the last days, knowledge shall be increased. And somebody says, preacher, why in the world? How have we come so far in 100 years? Because the Bible says it would happen that way. That in the last days before Jesus would come, that knowledge shall be increased. But my point this morning is this, that you know what? There are times when man is very intelligent. There are times when man is able to discover amazing things. And, 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 and you know what, church? We've come a long, long ways in our technology. But I just want to say this as we close. Man is brilliant. And sometimes man is ingenious at times. But as much as he is, there are still some things that man simply cannot do. I mean, as smart as, as Carl Benz was and as smart as Wilbur Wright was, there are still some things that man cannot do. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? Well, how about this? Man cannot stall death from coming. Now, there's things you can do to extend your life. You can try to eat healthy. You can try to exercise. You can try to lose weight. You can try to join the gym. You, become, you, be, you can become a member of Planet Fitness or the YMCA and, and you can get on the treadmill or, or, or you can jog every day and all, those, and all those things are great. The Bible says bodily exercise profited little and all those things are great. But the truth is when death finally comes, did you know there's nothing you can do about it? And there's not anything that I can do about it. In fact, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 8, there is no man that hath power to re, over the spirit to retain the spirit Neither hath he power in the day of death, and there's no discharge in that war. Neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. In other words, many a man wished that he could have put off death, but he just couldn't do it, didn't, couldn't do it. I mean, brother, we cannot, no matter how smart you are, no matter how ingenious you are, we cannot stall death. This is an old illustration. I, I used it in our adult Sunday school class not long ago, but if I mention the name Steve Jobs, most of you would know that name. Steve Jobs was the, was the founder of the Apple Corporation, Macintosh and the Apple phone. And, uh, uh, and, and no doubt, Steve Jobs was a brilliant man. No, no doubt he was. As of July 2016, it's reported that Apple had sold over one billion, with a B, one billion iPhones, and that Steve Jobs was worth $31.6 billion dollars. He owned almost 5.5 million shares of Apple stock. 31.6 billion is what he was worth. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. That don't do a whole lot for me, and it probably don't do a whole lot for you because the truth is most of us can't even understand what a billion is. But let me tell you what a billion, let me tell you what a billion, a billion dollars is. If somebody gave you a billion dollars and you spent $1,000 a day, it would still take you 2,740 years before you spent it all, if you spent $1,000 a day. And Steve Jobs was not worth one. He was worth 31.6. In other words, the truth of the matter is, he could not spend all of his wealth. He had so much money that he could not spend it all. Now, this is my point, but wait a minute now. But when pancreatic cancer came, did you know there's not one thing that Steve Jobs could do to stall death? As rich as he was, as many things as he owned, as many people as he knew, as important as he was to the Apple Corporation, there wasn't one thing that he could do that would stall death. I think about Elizabeth I, the Queen of England. 
They said about, about the queen that she had, she had a dress in her wardrobe for every day of the year. That she wore a, dress, a different dress every day of the year. I mean, unbelievably wealthy. But when Queen Mary, when, when Elizabeth, the Queen of England, when she was dying, she made this statement, all my possessions for a moment of time. In other words, I'll give everything. Man, if you'll just extend my life, I'll give everything. No, wait a minute now. That's all I'm saying, brother. There, listen, there's a lot of things that we can do, but there's one thing that you and I can't do. We can't stall death. This was, put in, uh, this was uh, presented to Ann Landers many years ago. And it goes like this, and I want all of our young people to listen to me. It goes like this. The day I died was an ordinary day. How I wish I had taken the bus but I was too cool for the bus. I remember how I wheedled the car out of mom. Special favor, I pleaded. All the kids drive. When the 2.50 p.m. bell rang, I threw my books in the locker, free until tomorrow morning. I ran to the parking lot, excited at the thought of driving a car and being my own boss. It doesn't matter how the accident happened. I was goofing off, going too fast, taking crazy chances, but I was enjoying my freedom and having fun. The last thing I remember was passing an old lady who seemed to be going awfully slow. I heard a crash, and I felt a terrific jolt. Glass and steel flew everywhere. My whole body seemed to be turning inside out. I heard myself scream. Suddenly I waked. It was very quiet. A police officer was standing over me. I saw a doctor. My body was mangled. I was saturated with blood. Pieces of jagged glass were sticking out all over, strange that I couldn't feel anything. Hey, hey, don't pull that sheet over my head. I can't be dead. I, I, I'm, I'm only 17. I've got a date tonight. I'm supposed to have a wonderful life ahead of me. I haven't lived yet. I can't be dead. Later, I was placed in a drawer. My folks came to identify me. Why did they have to see me like this? Why did I have to look at mom's eyes when she faced the most terrible ordeal of her life? Dad suddenly looked very old. He, he told the man in charge, yes, he's our son. The funeral was weird. I saw all my relatives and friends walk toward the casket. They, they looked at me with the saddest eyes I've ever seen. Some of my buddies were crying. A few of the girls touched my hand and sobbed as they walked away. Please, somebody, wake me up. Get me out of here. I can't bear to see mom and dad in such pain. My, my grandparents are so weak from grief they can barely walk. My, my brothers and sisters are like zombies. They, they move like robots in a daze. Everybody, no, no one can believe this. I can't believe it either. Please, don't bury me. I'm not dead. I have a lot of living to do. I want to laugh and run again. I want to sing and dance. Please, don't put me in the ground. I promise if you give me just one more chance, God, I'll be the most careful driver in the whole world. All I want is one more chance. Please, God, I'm only 17. Now, now again, all, all I'm saying is this, that you know what? You and I, we better be ready. 
Because when death comes knocking, this is not, by the way, this is not a morbid sermon. I'm just saying this is a realistic sermon. And that's this, that you know what? All of us are faced with death every single day. Uh, and hope you're going to live a, a long, productive life. But the truth of the matter is, friend, when death comes knocking, we cannot extend life. We cannot stall death. That, that, that's one appointment that you and I will never be late for. A lot of things man cannot do. I want to get this last thing. Now, let me, let me just give you this second point. I'll go to the last point. Number two, I wrote this down, down. Man cannot sin without reaping the consequences. The Bible says in our passage you read this morning, uh, Psalm chapter nine and verse number seven, but the Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment and he shall judge the world in righteousness, the Bible says. Now, I'm glad that I can come to you this morning and I can report that God's a God of forgiveness. <laughs> I am thrilled about that. 1 John 1, 9, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and hallelujah, we've got a God that if you were here this morning and you've messed up, thank God I've got a God that will forgive you and restore you and he still loves you and he still wants to use you and God will, will help you with your life. And so yes, thank God that God is a God of forgiveness, but this is all I'm saying this morning, church. Listen, if a man thinks that he can continue to sin and he's not gonna reap the consequences He's fooling himself. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 32, verse 23, but if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. Galatians chapter six, verse seven, the Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so I, I'm done. I'm gonna go to this last point. But I, I'm just telling you, brother, there's a lot of things that man can do. But we cannot continue to live in sin and live in sin and live in sin and live away from God and live away from God and live away from God and not reap the consequences. Brother, cast thy bread upon the water and you're gonna find it after several days. I'm telling you, brother, listen, uh, your sin many times will come back to haunt you. And so man is very smart at times. There's a lot of things that man can do, but man cannot stall death. Man cannot sin without reaping the consequences, and I'm done this morning. But I want to tell you this, number three and last is this. There's some things that man cannot do, and one of those is this. Man cannot save his own soul. Man cannot save his own soul. Would you take, if you, got, if you have your Bible, would you take your Bible this morning and turn over to the book of Ephesians with me? Ephesians chapter two and look at verse number eight. Ephesians chapter two and verse number eight. And notice what scripture tells us here. Ephesians two verse eight says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And then it says this, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, listen to this now, verse nine says, not of works, lest any man should boast. In other words, what the Bible's saying there is this church, that there's no way that you and I can obtain our own salvation. We can't work for our own salvation. 
In fact, the Bible says in Titus chapter 3 and verse number 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Listen, you may be here this morning and you say, preacher, I'm a good person. Pastor, I'm a church member. Preacher, you know, I'm a deacon or, or pastor. Or I used to teach Sunday school or, or preacher, I used to be uh, over our training union or, or whatever the case might be. But the truth of the matter is, it's not works that saves a person. It's not works that takes a person to heaven. In fact, in fact, the Bible says in Matthew chapter seven and verse number 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name have done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Did you know that Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Did you know that Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse number 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Listen, brother, if you're gonna go to heaven, if you're gonna live forever in heaven, you've gotta go through Jesus, amen. It's not through the Pope, it's not through the pastor, it's not through the priest, it's not through your good works, it's not through the sacraments, it's not through the catechisms, it's not through all these other things, being a charter member, brother, it's gotta be through Jesus. That's the only way, that's the only, only way. You must go through the Lord Jesus Christ as personal savior. We've got to, I'm, I'm sure we have a few snake lovers in here this morning. I'm not one of them. I don't like them. You say, well, preacher, there's good snakes and bad snakes. Listen, brother, don't even try that with me, all right? They're, they're all bad. I don't, I don't like any of them. But I was reading a neat article this week, and, and it said that snakes have a, they have a curious habit. And that's this, that a snake sheds its skin. And that, that snake will slough off that old skin and, and take on new skin. And I want you to think about this. When they change their skin, it doesn't change the snake. They're the same snake they've always been. They just shed their skin. You're here this morning and say, Preacher, I'm going to change my ways so I can go to heaven. I'm gonna shed my skin so I, can, so I can go to heaven. Wait a minute now. Just because you shed your skin and just because you change your ways doesn't mean you're a different person. I mean, you may, you may talk better and you may act a little better and you may be a better husband and that's good and you may be a better daddy and that's good, but I'm just saying, brother, in order to go to heaven, we must become a new creature. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And we become a new creature by being born again by the Spirit of God. In fact, I remind you of John chapter 3 when Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus the Pharisee and he said this in verse number 3, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. 
But, but, but Lord, I'm a good man. Ye must be born again. But Lord, I'm a Pharisee. I have kept the law. I have the first five books of the Bible completely memorized. Uh, but you must be born again. It's not about what you're doing. It's not about what you've done. It's about what he's done in your life. Hey, ye must be, ye must be born again. Did you know that humanly speaking, church, humanly speaking, you and I have fallen short of what it takes to get us into heaven. In fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter three, verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And and, and our Calvary folk, forgive me for using an old illustration, but I love it, I love it. I I tell it when I'm preaching out somewhere, I, I tell it sometimes. But I read the story of three men and they were running from an enemy it was late at night. They were wore out. They had been, they had been running for a, a long time now. And, and uh, I mean, the enemy was right on their heels and they were running and didn't really know where they were going. And finally, they came to a place where they could go no further. It was a, a precipice, a cliff, and it was a very steep cliff. And, and down at the bottom of the cliff was the ocean and there were jagged rocks. And I mean, it was a long ways down. I mean, literally, there was no going forward because it was the ocean and there was no going back because it was the enemy. And so the men thought, man, we're, we're in peril. What are we gonna do? How, how are we gonna escape? It was a bright night that night and the moon was full. And right off that cliff, you could see the the moon over the ocean. It looked literally like it was just a few feet away. And one of the men said, I've got an idea. He said, you know what? If we can jump to the moon, we can get away from the enemy. And so the first guy said, well, I'll try it. He had a little limp in his step and, and wasn't very agile, but he said, I'll try. And so he got back a little ways and, and he said, wish me luck. And he, he ran toward the edge of that cliff and, and he leapt out just as, as strongly as he could, reaching for the moon. And of course, being a cripple, he didn't make it very far and gravity took over and he fell onto those rocks and his body was banged and beaten and mangled and those waves came in and got his body and took it out to the ocean. And the second guy said, you know what? He didn't do very good. If I'm going to make it to the moon, I've got to do better. And I can do better. I can do better. He got back a little bit further and he said, you pray for me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. He ran to the edge of that cliff and man, I mean, with all of his might, he stretched out toward the moon. But you know how it's going to end up. His body failed. Man, it hit those rocks and the waves came in and grabbed that dead body and took it out. And that last guy said, you know what? He said, boy, those guys did okay, but they didn't do as good as I'm going to do. I've got to do better. I've got to do better. I'm in much better health. Man, he, he backed way up. He took everything off he could take that was going to weight him down. I mean, he made, choose, made, made sure that his, his shoes were tied straight and tied, tied tight. And uh, he was uh, taking some breath and filling his lungs with air. And he said, I can do this. I can do it. He was even a positive thinker. He said, I know I can. 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 And man, he got back, I mean, as far as he could. And he ran toward the edge of that cliff. And brother, he jumped with all of his might. But you know the story, don't you? That man fell onto those same rocks and the ocean came in and washed that dead body out to the sea. You see, what those men didn't understand was that moon that looked so close 
was actually 220,000 miles away. It was a long ways. You know what? You're here this morning and you say, boy, you know what, preacher? I, I, think, I, can, I think I can make it to heaven. I can make it to heaven. I can, I can work my way there, brother. You know what? You trying to jump to heaven, just like those men trying to jump to the moon. Now, I will say this. I thought about this this morning. I will say this. It is possible to go to the moon. But you have to use transportation by way of rocket. And it is possible for you to get to heaven. But your transportation must be Jesus. It must be Jesus Christ. It's not the Catholic Pope. It's not your good works. It's not your Sunday school achievements. It's not that you're, uh, you know, that you're a good, uh, a good citizen. All those things are great. I'm not against any of those things, but I'm just saying the Bible says it's not by works lest any man should boast. In fact, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other name except Jesus. That's the only way. And if you're here this morning and you don't know that you 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 know that you're going to heaven, man, today's a good day to get it nailed down. Today's a good day to come to Jesus. Oh, listen, man. In fact, you know what my Bible says? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You ought to come to Jesus. We're done. I'm done preaching. But I want to tell you something, church. He is the greatest friend I've ever had. We sing that song, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And he's just the same as his lovely name. And that's the reason why I love him so. Oh, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. I want to tell you what, 36 years ago, I tried jumping to the moon. And I kept falling and falling and falling and falling and falling and falling. And I'm glad I had a pastor who preached to me the gospel. And one day I went to him and I said, Preacher, I have got to get this thing settled once and for all. And I'm glad he, 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 he walked me down the Romans road. He told me how I was a sinner. He told me how because of my sin I was supposed to die and go to hell. He told me how Jesus came and took my sin upon him and went to the cross and there Jesus bled and suffered and died. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we're healed and Jesus died for me and shed his blood for me and that if I would trust in him that Jesus would come into my life and save my soul. And by the way, that day, that Saturday, I called on Jesus Christ and Jesus saved my soul. No, I've not been perfect. I've not been perfect in 36 years but I tell you what I have been, I've been forgiven, amen. I've been forgiven and I'll tell you something else, I'm on my way to heaven, amen. I know that, I know that. There's no doubt about it. I know. Listen, if I go out of here today and there's a car accident or a heart attack or a stroke, listen to me. You can rejoice because preacher, it's going to be in glory. And you can too. You can too. So would you do me a favor this morning? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for this time we've had together today. And Lord, I thank you for reminding us of Jesus and his sacrifice. God, there's no way that we can span that, 
that tithe. There's no way, God, that we can get to heaven in our own goodness and righteousness, our own good works. The Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. And Father, maybe there's one here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Father, today, would you work in their hearts and their lives? And I pray today they'll come to know Christ as their Savior. Father, right now, convict their heart. Show them their need. Help them to realize that that you raised Jesus from the dead. He is a living, resurrected Savior. And God, that he will save them right now. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. And you go ahead and play if you will. I wonder this morning how many are here. And you'd say, Pastor, I'm getting ready to be honest about something. And by the way, I'm not going to try to come back and, and get you and try to drag you down an aisle. I, I don't do that at Calvary. But I wonder, though, how many would just at least let me pray for you. And you'd say, Pastor, I'm getting ready to be honest. If I died today, I'm really not sure that I would go to heaven. And the Lord is speaking to my heart. Preacher, I want to go. Don't get me wrong. I want to go to heaven. I'm just not sure about it. I'm not sure. Pastor, I don't want to spend eternity in hell. I want to go to heaven. I'm just not sure about it. And preacher, I want you to pray for me today that God would help me with this situation. You're here this morning, right now, the Lord's speaking to your heart. Would you just slip up your hand? Let me pray for you right now. Just slip it up, all right? Bless your heart. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Thank you so much. You can lower your hands. Thank you. Oh, Calvary, we need to be praying. I wonder who else is here today. You'd say, and by the way, boy, how I appreciate honest folks. My, my. I wonder how many uh, else are here this morning and you'd say, Pastor, I'm getting ready to be honest about something. If I died today, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Preacher, would you remember me when you pray? Right now, you'd slip up your hand. You'd say, Preacher, I didn't raise my hand before, but I'll raise it right now. Is there another? Come on, let me pray for you this morning. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Is there another like that anywhere? Anywhere? In just a moment, we're going to stand. Our heads are going to be bowed. Our eyes are going to be closed. Pastor's going to make his way to this main floor. And if you're here today and you say, Preacher, I'm just not sure about heaven. Okay. Well, I've been there. If you're like that today, listen, in just a moment, I'd like to extend an invitation to you. And I want you to come, and, and we're not going to make you give a speech. We're not going to make you do anything like that. Nothing, nothing, nothing like that. But I tell you what I would like to do. I'd like to just take the Bible and show you from the Bible how you can know. We'll not do it publicly. We're not embarrassed in any way but we'd like to take the Bible and show you how you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. It's so in just a moment, in just a moment when we stand, boy, it's going to be a good time to come. Hey, Calvary, you know, I know it's, it's packed in here this morning. 
But I'll tell you what I'd do. Maybe if I was one of our, our Calgary folk, I'd just come down here somewhere along on the side or get down around my chair or something. I'd just pray, make it an altar, and just ask God to work and save. If you're here this morning and you need to be saved, I'm going to encourage you to come. So would you do me a favor? Would you stand all over the house this morning? Father, we thank you for this time we've had together. And God, this is such an important time right now. And Lord, I pray that you'll deal with hearts. Father, I pray that, Lord, you'll help nobody to leave this place lost and unknown without Christ. I pray you'll help folks to come. Maybe folks just need to come and pray. But God, I pray that you'll help these that need to be saved that they'll come and be saved today. So, Lord, have thy way. Oh, God, please. Father, best we know how we plead the blood of Jesus over this invitation. I pray you'd help us. Don't let the evil one, don't let him distract. Oh, God, help us, please. In Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Pastor's gonna make his way to the main floor. We're here for you.